0: State 835, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. So glad to have you with us. I was listening to the forecast. It's kind of like, sounds like it's going to be Ritz Groundhog Hog Day. Day after day, cloudy, rainy, showers, thunderstorms. I don't know. We will get out of this pattern at some point in time. We are obviously paying for a relatively mild winter. We start off this program, as we start off every program, three big things. Things to discuss at the gym. Things to discuss at work. Um, we start off big thing number one. Right, the headline in every paper, or most every major paper today, involves this report that came out from the Congressional Budget Office yesterday evaluating the, the health care plan that was submitted to repeal and replace Obamacare. And the th- there's two things that come out of it. One is that if they did it, it would save about $120 billion in deficit through 2026. The other number that appears is it says the GOP health bill would add $23 million uninsured. Now, this is part of the problem when you have an entitlement program. In the history of this country, since we... Whenever there has been an entitlement program that has been passed, the entitlement program has never been rolled back. It, it's just almost impossible to do away with entitlement programs because once people think they are entitled to this, oh, it's horrible. You know, it, it, we have to, we have to keep this. It will be awful if we don't get it. So I, I was looking at this twenty-three million number, and the twenty-three million number is over a, a period of years. But I, I kept wondering where is this coming from because. The reality is, in this country, most people get their insurance, if you're over 65, you get your insurance through government, Medicare, you get your health coverage there, or most people, the vast majority, get it through their employers. So the actual number of people who are in the private insurance market it is relatively, um, in relatively small in comparison to those other numbers. So where do you get the 23 million? And is it really true? that Paul Ryan and the Republicans are about to toss 23 million people off of some form of insurance. Well, here's, and I thought I was right about this, but I actually, so you don't have to do it. I went and I, I read, I downloaded and I read this Congressional Budget Office report. And here's where the 23 million figure comes from. Under Obamacare, People are required to have insurance, and they have to pay a fine if they don't. Now, there's a lot of people who just decide, okay, we're we're not going to go through this, and we're going to pay the fine because the fine is ridiculously small in comparison to the cost of insurance, particularly if you don't get subsidies. But right now, insurance is mandatory for everybody. Under the GOP plan, plan, you would not have have to have insurance if you chose to go without insurance and then you developed some sort of condition and then you wanted to come on to the the government plan you would have to pay extra there would be a charge so what they're trying to do is they're encouraging people to be responsible get the insurance because if you're going to need it it's going to cost you more but you have the option as to whether you want to be insured or not the vast majority of this 23 million, million uninsured number is not people who are tossed off of programs. It's not people who are denied coverage. It is people who make a decision that they want to essentially self-insure themselves. They want to take the risk. So they are deciding that they're not going to sign up for the insurance, so this twenty three million figure and I, I have no way of knowing whether it's accurate or not. Some people say that that's grossly overblown, but the vast majority of people that are included in this number are people who say hey i'm I'm going to go back to like the old system I'm going to decide that hey i'm twenty three years old I'm healthy um i'm going to make a decision that I, I'm not going to pay several thousand dollars in premiums because by the time I would get my deductibles and things like that, I, it's just not worth it for me. All right, 414 799 1620. That is the AccuNet Mortgage talk and text line. That's what this number is. People who voluntarily choose, largely, to be uninsured, should you have a right in this country to make that choice? I mean, if you're 25 years old, for example, I think it's a silly thing. I think it's a silly decision to go without insurance. But if you're 25 years old and you decide, hey, I have no health problems at all. I realize if I develop some sort of health problem and I'm going to sign up for insurance, I'm going to end up having to pay more for it. But I'm going to make the decision. I want the right to decide whether or not I carry insurance or not. Should you have the right to do that? 414-799-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And if that's where the vast majority of this 23 million uninsured figure comes from, is that really that bad? I mean, it is, after all, last time I checked, a free country, isn't it? 414-799-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We discuss next. If you're on the line, please hold on. 841-Jeff Wagner, 620-WTMJ. It's 844, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. By the way, as part of our three big things, there is an amazing video. Involving a woman who, if you haven't seen it, um, she was the victim of a carjacking at the BP station on Plankington downtown yesterday. This is the woman who refused to be a victim, ended up jumping on the hood of her car. The the video is absolutely amazing and it raises some very interesting questions that we're gonna be talking about in just a couple minutes. If you want to see the video, um and it, it is this is one where a minute's worth of pictures is worth 10,000 words. If you text the word CARJACK, we'll make it one word, C-A-R-J-A-C-K, to 414-799-1620, which is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Text the word CARJACK. We will send you the link to the video that we're going to be discussing in just a little bit. Okay, right now, um, Congressional Budget Office comes out yesterday, says that if you go along with the Republican plan, it means 23 million people will be uninsured by 2026. doesn't really, the news stories don't explain where that number comes from what that is is people volunteer largely voluntarily making the decision to go without insurance um, so it's not like they're being forced off they're just saying hey you know we want to we want to self insure we're willing to take the risk So it's not that they're forced off. And I guess my larger point is, if you're 23 years old and you're healthy, should you be able to make the decision to go without insurance, knowing that if you do get sick, you're going to be responsible for some of the costs. If you get catastrophically ill, you're going to have to pay more to get back into the pools. Mark in Burlington. Mark, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Mark. Hello. Hi, Mark.
1: Hi. Um, Yes, it's a free country. Um, but then where does it, where does that end then? What, what
2: keeps somebody from saying, I, I'm going to take the risk, I'm not going to get car insurance either.
1: So then, uh, you get clobbered by one of these people and,
0: uh, oh, okay, well, your
1: children and then, okay, then well,
0: there's, well, but, but, alright, but let, let's that. talk about that. I mean, there, we, we in, in Wisconsin, we have, for example, mandatory automobile insurance. But the automobile insurance that you have to carry is liability insurance. You have to carry insurance so that if you're involved in an accident and you're responsible, that you can, you have insurance to at least help pay the cost of the person you've hurt. We don't have mandatory automobile insurance require, requiring you to carry collision coverage, like, you know, the, to, to repay the stuff for your car. I, I guess... I would liken this health insurance thing more like collision coverage on your car, because you're talking about yourself, not others, not like the liability coverage for a car. Yeah. Okay. I, think, I mean, I guess I think. I mean, I guess I that that to me is that to me is the distinction. Now, look, I, I'm not arguing that people go without insurance. I, I think that's a dumb decision to make. But I guess I look at this 23 million number and it's, oh, this is terrible. This is going to throw all these people off. Well, like I say, the majority of people are going to be young, healthier people who make the decision that they they, they want to take and they're willing to take the risk. And I guess I do see this different than the mandatory automobile insurance, because like I say automobile insurance, you have to carry liability insurance. So if you hurt somebody else, you know, there's at least some money that goes to that person that you've hurt. Um the health insurance thing, you're making the decision for yourself, 414-799-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text line, let's talk to uh, Mike in Milwaukee, Mike, you're in 620 WTMJ, good morning.
2: Hey, thanks for taking my call, Hi, Mike. it was a beautiful day, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. you know, i got to tell you, I, I kind of like the idea of nationalized health care that is affordable and accessible and consistent across all uh, states, but Really, uh, the second point about, that I like to make is, you know, we're the only nation on earth that, that really has uh, an intensely uh, uh, weighted out healthcare program that's sponsored by businesses. I'm thinking to myself, talk about a business killer. Uh, why wouldn't we uh, uh, remove health care from uh, uh, being a burden for employers to, to, to offer? Um, I mean, especially in a world economy where we're facing uh, many, many uh, examples. Well, how would of you pay? Okay,
0: have- how, how are if if you're not going to put it on the employers to pay for it? I mean, mo- most of the estimates. Even let's even let's not talk, let's not talk about national health care. Let's just talk about um, like even just going to single payer, like extending essentially making uh, you know Medicare for all. I mean, the estimates are you know hundreds of billions of dollars. I mean, where where do you? Th- Where's that money going to come from? I mean, out of well, people's pockets. Well, I would
2: pockets? start with two two things. Number one, I would uh, 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 remove the uh, FICA uh, withholding ceiling uh, that's currently around 118,000, mm-hmm. and require uh, uh, you know the same percentages to be removed uh, all the way uh, up uh, into the billions, uh, instead of a uh, get out of uh, uh, jail free card, if you will. And secondly. You know, I I really think that uh, we need to require uh, uh, pharmaceutical companies to uh, negotiate wholesale rates, uh, that they sell uh, uh, meds into the marketplace. Uh,
0: Well, Mike, I I mean, look, I... Everybody else
2: has has the opportunity to negotiate a deal.
0: Okay, well, and see, and I, and I, I appreciate that whenever we're talking about rising costs you you can't you can't have an honest discussion with that without talking about the you know when we're talking about the cost of health care you you have to talk about you also have to talk about the cost of medical care and and rising costs and i, I appreciate that that's the thing but but let's face it that that doesn't get you anywhere close to to national Healthcare care, um, to, to the billions that it would would cost to try to implement something like that, not to mention the idea that, you know, the countries that do it, you ration care. We were talking about this just the other day. Even with a single-payer system like they have in Canada, you, the wait times are incredible. I mean, do you really, do you want to wait? If you've got that kidney stone, do you want to wait um, four months To have a doctor look at it and treat it if you get diagnosed with some form of cancer do you want to wait six months before they start the, the procedures um if you need hip surgery do you want to wait close to a year for that procedure to be done i mean that's that is the flip side of all this why do you think so many people in canada who have money when they get diagnosed with something that they need medical treatment on, something other than just like a common cold or something, why do you think so many of them come to the United States? It's because they do not want the wait times. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. that's the Accident Mortgage uh, Talk and Text Line. mean, I guess I just look at this, and I, I think it makes sense for people to have insurance. I think it's irresponsible not to, but at the same time. I mean, should we be requiring that? And what the GOP plan does is it tries to encourage people to be responsible because it says, look, if you don't have insurance and then you get sick and you need, especially for the catastrophic type of stuff, then you can get back into the pool, but you're going to have to pay more. So they're trying to create an incentive for people to be responsible. Let's also be honest here. Under Obamacare right now, It it's not working because if the idea is to require everybody to sign up, the penalties for not signing up are so small that you have just a lot of people that are just ignoring it. They're paying the two thousand bucks or whatever it is, and they still feel that they come out ahead. So if you really want everybody to have to sign up, what you have to do is you have to say, Okay, we're gonna really we're gonna impose a penalty. It's not gonna be two grand or whatever, it's gonna be ten grand or twenty grand. You're gonna need to do that. And do people really want that? four one four 799 That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We continue the conversation. And once again, if you want a video of what we're going to be talking about next, um, text the word CARJACK to this number, and we'll send it to you. It's 853. State fifty-five, Jeff Wagner. Laurie on our text line writes: I'm thirty-five years old. I rarely get sick. I changed jobs last year to one that does not offer employee-sponsored health care. I chose to go without Obamacare because the penalty is far less costly than the premiums I would have been forced to pay. Um, that's Lee actually who makes that right, writes that 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 I guess see that that's that is my point, and I don't want to get too far afield here. You know, we can and and we will and we have you know have have a debate about whether or not we. In this country, do we really need? To, is it is it time? Do we view? When it comes to health care, that this is a point where we want to go to socialized medicine, where it's all provided by the government, or a single-payer system, where it's essentially like Medicare would operate, where the government is the one that makes these decisions. Um, what's that going to do to costs? What's that going to do to wait times? All those things. And, and those are reasonable discussions to have, and I guess I kind of leave that up to smarter minds than me. My point in this conversation, though, was when you see the headline today, 23 million people uninsured under the GOP plan, understand that for the vast majority of the 23 million that's not people who are being tossed off it's not people who can't won't be able to afford it it's people who make the decision that they would rather go uninsured. They would rather take the risk themselves. Now, you can argue that that's dumb. You can argue maybe they shouldn't be allowed to do that, but still, that's the decision that they end up making. And that's where that 23 million figure comes from. So put it in a little bit of context. I'm sorry, we got jam phone lines. Uh, we will discuss the broader issues of healthcare and continue to do that. I'm um, coming up in just a couple minutes. It's, it's an amazing video from downtown Milwaukee. It happened uh, yesterday afternoon. A woman pulls up to the BP gas station in the third ward on Plankinton. She gets out to essentially take, she's filling her car up with gas. She's sitting in her car. She gets out once it's filled to go take the pump out and in that to take the hose out. And in that moment, um, she is the victim of a carjacking. What she does next is absolutely amazing, but it also raises a v- much larger issue in connection with what's going on in Tom Barrett's Milwaukee. That is big thing number two, and it's coming up. But if you want to see the video, text the word CARJACK to four one four seven nine nine one six twenty, 799 1620 and uh, we'll send it to you. Stick around. It's 858 Jeff Wagner. It's nine oh eight. Jeff Wagner six twenty. WTMJ three. Oh, before we get to big thing number two, here's my prediction. This this is just the start of what is going to happen. All right, Tom Barrett's trolley folly. You know, we're spending hundred and twenty. We that means if you you if you live in the city of Milwaukee, you're going to be on the hook for at least a good portion of this. Um, the, the trolley folly. The streetcar line, the two point one mile streetcar line that 's going to run from the du- bus depot to the lower east side that nobody 's going to ride, and then the justification is going to be well, nobody rides this because it doesn 't go anywhere, so what we 're going to have to do is we 're going to have to tear up the rest of the streets of the city and expand it, and it 's going to cost hundreds of millions of dollars, and let 's face it, this is going to be an air trolley you know you 're going to be watching this thing go back and forth, not carrying anybody, but some of the beautiful people in the city of Milwaukee are going to be saying oh isn 't this tremendous? Well, all right, it is already starting. Um, downtown businesses. Apparently what happened is one of the yo-yo contractors that is tearing up the city to put these streetcar lines in, um, apparently they accidentally cut a bunch of utility lines down by the Milwaukee Athletic Club, uh, Broadway and East Wells. Um, Several businesses have lost their phone lines, their computer lines, and they don't know when they are going to get back. I mean, it's, so I mean, one of the stories, one of the ways I first heard about this is there's a a restaurant that delivers um, their phones are gone and they've been gone since what yesterday or uh, they've been gone since yesterday because the, these contractors again they're digging up the street and boom they cut these different lines um, to put these in they're trying to get them back um I, I love it the city's Department of Public Works says as with any public works project the contractors we hire perform due diligence in identifying locations of utilities within the construction zone uh well, Here's, here's a word of advice. Doesn't sound like the due diligence was very good. Unfortunately, despite the best precautions, an underground telecommunication utility was accidentally damaged. Oops, the contractor is coordinating with uh, AT&T to try to get it restored. This, just mark my words, pay attention because I come this way but once, this is just the start of the mess that this entire thing is going to be. And I continue to believe Ten years from now, if Martians land in Cathedral Square Park and look at the air trolleys rolling around carrying nobody, they will talk. And Tom Barrett's not going to be the mayor ten years from now. The Martians are going to look around. They're going to ask about these air trolleys. Why are we doing technology that we, we essentially got rid of in the early part of the 20th century? Now we're spending all this money. Why are you doing this? And nobody's riding it because it doesn't go anywhere and it doesn't get you there fast enough. I am convinced. That 10 years from now, if Martians land in Cathedral Square Park and they ask about the trolleys, they will leave being convinced that there is no intelligent life in the city of Milwaukee. But this is going to be Tom Barrett's legacy, and it's already starting, you know, phone lines being cut. Okay, big story number two. And uh, lots and lots of you have texted us. um, If you text the word carjack to 414-799-1620. I will send you this video, but it it is it, it's it's amazing and there is a larger story be- behind this. All right, if, if you can picture downtown Milwaukee on kind of what I would describe as the north end of the 3rd ward. There, there's a there's a BP gas station um on on Plankington. Right by, right where the, kind of the freeway converges. Like if you get off the freeway to go down to Summerfest, you, you would see this. So it's it's right in the heart of the Third Ward. It. I'm trying to think if there's another regular gas station, a gas station in that immediate area in downtown Milwaukee. I don't think so. I think it's the only gas station in downtown in that at least part of, of downtown Milwaukee. All right. So this is two o'clock Tuesday afternoon. We're not talking about 2 in the morning. We're talking about 2 o'clock Tuesday afternoon, the heart of downtown. The heart of downtown. And this has all been captured on on a video camera, for video surveillance that they have up, up there. So you can see this entire video. Here, here's what happens. This this 27-year-old woman, um, she pulls up to the gas pump. And she gets out of her car, and she she pumps. She she puts the hose in. She starts pumping gas. She gets back into her car, and she's apparently on her phone or something. But she's sitting in her car while the car is being filled up. All right. Then what happens is the the, the car gets filled up, shuts off. Right. She gets out of her car to go just around the back of her car to take the the hose out and then presumably get ready to drive off. So this is what we're talking about. It is those moments as she gets out of her car to walk around to pull the hose out. The moments. What you can see on the video is this sedan that, as it turns out, was stolen. In the instant the woman gets out to go behind her car to remove the hose from the gas pump, this sedan pulls up. So obviously, somebody is, is driving around waiting for people to pull in to fill up the car with gas. The sedan pulls up in front of the woman's SUV. A guy gets out of the car, the sedan, jumps into the woman's car, and she's only been out of her car for a couple seconds, jumps out of the car, and tries to drive off. All right at that point in time, and this is where the video has gone viral. The twenty-seven-year-old lady says, "Enough is enough." She jumps. She jumps on the hood of the car, and she's she's sitting on the hood of the car. Looks to me like she's kind of hanging onto the windshield wipers, screaming as the guy tries to you know drive off. What happens, and you can see this all in the video. It's incredibly compelling. What happens is, after the, the car goes a few feet, the the would be thief freaks out leaves the car in gear but jumps out of the car jumps back into the sedan and he and his buddy or buddies drive off the car starts rolling into the road the lady goes after it to try to track it down but but you know the, of course the story that's getting all the attention is this woman jumping on on the hood of the car In order to prevent the the carjacking. And, you know, there's all sorts of people who are sitting there saying, okay, she's a hero or this was really dumb. She shouldn't have done that. That, to me, isn't the story. The story is it is so apparently unsafe now in downtown Milwaukee that you can't pull up at 2 o'clock in the afternoon And put gas in your car without being worried that somebody is going to come up and carjack you. Our numbers are 414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I travel around the, the area a lot. I spend a lot of time out in the suburbs. One of the things that I continually get questioned about is Jeff We hear these stories about Milwaukee, the city of, all the time. Is it really that dangerous? And you know what? You know, for a while, I used to say, well, there's areas of the city that uh, you don't want to necessarily go to, and there's times of day that you don't want to go to. You know what I say now? I say, you bet your you-know-what. It is dangerous, and it is out of control. And I encourage people, I say, you know, if you're coming down to the city now, I don't care where you're going. You need to be incredibly careful. And this video is lesson A for that. It's two in the afternoon. On a Tuesday in the heart of downtown, this lady, in my opinion, did absolutely nothing wrong. She gets out of her car. She's not in a convenience store. I mean, she's not in there leaving the car unattended. She's with the car. She's walking around behind it to take the hose out, which is something that people have to. Now, did she close the door? Did she lock it for that 15 seconds? No, she didn't. But you should. You have to do that. I mean, really, has it come to that point where in Tom Barrett Ned Flynn's Milwaukee, crime is so out of control that these are the type of things that happen? And the answer is, yeah. So I guess, all right, where do we go from here? I mean, and from the perspective of living and shopping and buying gas in the city – Is there any place you can go? And, again, this is the heart of downtown. This is not a high-crime neighborhood, or you wouldn't think of it as being a high-crime neighborhood. 414-799-1620, that is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I tell people, and I I don't take any pride in this, but, yes, if you are coming down, particularly if you are a woman – But I think it could apply to guys as well. But particularly if you are a woman, you are being targeted in the city of Milwaukee. And it doesn't matter where you are and it doesn't matter what time of day it is. 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right. We have touched a nerve. We discuss this next. If you're on the line, hold on. It's 918. This is Jeff Wagner. It's nine twenty one. Jeff Wagner, six twenty. WTMJ. If you want, it, if you have the question, is the city of Milwaukee unreasonably dangerous? This video tells it all. Tuesday afternoon, the BP gas station in the heart of downtown. Broad daylight. Woman is pumping gas into her car. She gets out to remove the hose, and in those few seconds that she is out of the car, another a stolen car pulls up. Some guy gets out, jumps in her car, tries to drive off. And she then jumps on the hood of the car and ultimately thwarts the carjacking. The bad guy runs away. But but that, that's not the story. And, I mean, I guess part of the story is, yes, did she do this? Was this foolish? That's not what is interesting to me. What is most interesting to me is you can't get out of your damn car in the city of Milwaukee downtown at 2 o'clock in the afternoon on a Tuesday without it being carjacked. What is going on? Four one four Let's start with... Um, let's see, Brandon in Milwaukee. Brandon, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning.
2: Hi, Jeff. Hi Brandon. I lived, uh on the north side of Tosa uh, for pretty much all my life. I'm 30. And I've noticed that uh, that particular area has gone downhill as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've been looking for housing options for people who are disabled in Milwaukee. And all of the locations that were mentioned on the sheet are all in areas that I am concerned about. The only location that wasn't was actually downtown. And Obviously now you have a story It makes me huh. consider that option. Well, so yes, like, Milwaukee is
0: definitely getting more dangerous. Well, I mean, th- this is just—it's just incredible to me that you could have some foolishness like this that, that's going on. And and I, I mean, I guess you know you could say to the lady, well, all right, when when you're when the automatic uh, fill thing shut off, you should shut the door of your car. You should lock it. Um, you know, you should walk around for those fifteen seconds. But number one, who does that? And number two, it, who thinks you should have to? But yet, you've got these roving bands of thieves, who my guess is have criminal records as long as your arm, who are out there just waiting, just waiting for that five seconds to take advantage. And that—that's the quality of life issue. And unfortunately, nobody talks about that. True. Sure. No, thanks. That—I that, mean, that—that—that is—that is the issue that we just flat out do not. Confront when it comes to things like this four one four seven nine nine one six twenty Mike on the northwest side Mike good morning
3: hey good morning Jeff hey uh, I always take my keys out of the car whenever I'm out of the car yep and and she should have also but I wish she would have uh, been tacking also <laughs> and the other thing is uh, I think that uh, basically it's getting out of hand it, it is it, you know. Uh, we, you know, Tom Barrett and Ed Flynn have to get their head together and get out of their, their uh, head out of their hand and uh,
0: and realize find what out, right like realize what on. is going on. Yeah, I mean, I, I you know, see, Mike, and I guess thanks. For, I was talking about this with one of my colleagues this morning, and they were saying, "Well, she she shouldn't have she shouldn't have left the key in in, in the car." Okay, but she was with the car. I mean, the, this isn't this. This is what really struck me. Okay, this isn't, my gosh, you're warming up the car on a cold January morning and it's in your driveway, and you can't do that anymore because there's so many roving bands of thieves that are coming around that if you leave the car unattended for just a couple minutes, it's going to be gone. She was with the car. I mean, she she's sitting in the car. The car, the auto pump fill thing shuts off. She gets out of the car. She walks around the car. She's with the car, and in, in that in that couple seconds... That she gets out to walk around, this stolen car pulls up, and somebody jumps out. I mean, you've got these roving bands of thugs that are just there waiting for that five or ten second opportunity. And apparently the cops can't catch them, and if they do, the court system does nothing with them. But it's... I'm telling you, it's It's like escape from New York in the city of Milwaukee nowadays. And sooner or later, this is the type of thing that you're going to see more and more people who live in the city of Milwaukee say, we're not going to put up with this. And if you live in the suburbs, you're just going to sit there and say, well, there's no way I'm coming down into that area. What if I need gas? Because that could be me. 414-799-1620. That's the Academic Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Let's talk to Steve in Mequon. Steve, you're in 620 WTMJ. Good morning.
3: Hi Jeff, thanks for taking my phone. Yes, um with my work I'm cruising around the streets of Milwaukee all day and I'll tell you something, I have a dash cam and by the times I get home in the evening and show these things to my wife, I'll tell you what people need to really watch out for. There's this new game going on with these thugs where they're running red lights. It's like Russian roulette. And I have dash cam up two times on Good Hope the other day. Like forty third in Good Hope when I was pulling away from a red light. I, I, I had enough pause to look both ways, and sure enough, vehicle blows right through the light, and it mm-hmm. happened again at 60th Street. So I would tell people what you should do if you're driving around. Before you pull, either pull away from a red light in Milwaukee or you're passing through an intersection. Be a uh, look as far as you can up and down the street. Watch yeah. out for speeding vehicles. And the other one is, um, the other, I was going up Silver Spring. This was like, a couple weeks ago, but it's still worth talking about. This red minivan full of people was in the right lane in the pass, you know, parking lane. Blowing, it must have been going 70 miles an hour. They slowed down a little bit near the police station up there by by 68. They actually slowed down a little bit and blew right through that red light right Mm -hmm. there by the police department. They either. Didn't know or didn't
0: care that they were right there by the car. Well, well, no, so, and, and we, it's you know, crazy. see, we've talked about this. I mean, and part of this is, is the Ed Flynn Tom Barrett policy that you don't chase. What were the numbers like? The first three months of the year, like like fourteen hundred, or some crazy number of people that just drive off because they don't chase. They they know in, unless they have evidence that that the car has been involved in in something more serious, like a violent crime or something. If you blow through a red light, they'll let you go if you and and you don't think the bad guys know about this and so that's what they're doing but again what this the scariest big picture thing of this is and I mean again you can argue about was the woman out of her mind when she I mean I clearly this was just uh, a, a spontaneous sort of thing was she out of her mind when she did this you know she put her life in danger all those type of things but but the big story is this stuff goes on and it goes on on a daily basis and there doesn't appear to be anything that city leaders I don't hear outrage from most city leaders I I hear excuses um, but there's nobody out there talking about how the city is becoming like escape from New York. And again, if you want to talk about, you know, people wondering gee, you know, is it is it safe or not? Well, how can you look at what happened to this lady at 2 o'clock in the afternoon two days ago and argue that it is safe? She was targeted. She, obviously there was, and I don't think that this is an unusual type of situation. It's unfortunately happening on a regular basis and nobody in power appears to be concerned and enough to be willing to really try to make a difference. It's 9:28. This is Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Big thing number 3 is coming off. Um he punched out the reporter. He still might get elected. We'll talk about it stick around. it's 937 Jeff Wagner 620 WTMJ yeah people are still yeah we'll we'll continue if you, if you again send the word carjack to 4147991620 and we'll uh, we'll text you a link to that the story. It, it is amazing video and again i i know the attention that it's getting is the woman who jumped up on the car in order to prevent it and she's very very lucky that the uh, bad guy didn't floor you know just just didn't hit the gas and could have been very bad, but to me, there's this larger story that uh, is the undercovered story, which is how it's just. It's just not safe. You're at a point now where, you know, you apparently can't safely buy gas in downtown Milwaukee at 2 o'clock on a Tuesday afternoon. The Brewers look to snap their three-game skid tonight as they welcome the Arizona Diamondbacks to town in the first of a four-game series. Bob Uecker and Jeff Levering are live from Miller Park beginning at 635 this evening, sponsored by your Milwaukee Honda dealers. All right, big thing number three, chaos in Montana. There is a special election that's being held to fill a congressional seat in Montana. Uh, The election is today. Um, The vacancy was created when the congressman who represents this area in Montana uh, left his post to take a position um, with Donald Trump as the secretary of the Department of Interior. So it's now created a vacancy. And so there's an election. These these special elections have gotten a lot of attention. There was one in Kansas. There's the campaign in Georgia that's going on because the national media that is kind of invested in seeing Donald Trump fail. And the story is, gee, the Republican Party is in complete disarray and voters are leaving in droves because of of Donald Trump. And so they're watching all these races with the idea, and the Democrats are pouring a ton of money into these different races. Because at the end of the day, you know who cares about one particular congressional seat, but if 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 any of these seats get picked up by the democrats then the national story is going to be so this just shows how people are bailing donald bailing on donald trump and it's going to be disastrous for the party in 2018 so that's the background of this so the election is today the republican candidate who at, at least up until yesterday had a comfortable and it's, it's a Republican leaning area um, had a comfortable but not overwhelming lead in the polls. And I think, you know, that's how I would describe it. His name is Greg Gianforte, um, never held elective office before, ran for governor. Um, unsuccessfully in two thousand uh, in, in the last elections, so now he's running for this congressional seat. Um, it's a Republican-leaning district. He's ahead, all right? So what happens is he is he, he's sitting down. Republican candidates are being stalked by by the news media, and the news media. And I'm not talking about all reporters, but in the era of Donald Trump, there's a lot of reporters who particularly some of what I'm going to describe as these advocacy journalists, and I say journalists in quotation marks, they're they're very, very aggressive. The Guardian is an extremely left-wing newspaper out of England. Very, very left-wing. So, you know, they're writing all the Trump stories as well. There is a reporter in Montana for The Guardian who is covering this special election. And again the, the, the outcome, the story that people want to see, at least that some in the mainstream media want to see, is that the Democrat wins. That shows who cares about the one seat in Montana, but that shows that Trump is is weak. That that's the story that people are looking to write. So Yesterday, as we talked about earlier, the Congressional Budget Office comes out with these these numbers on the GOP health care plan. So the Guardian reporter is trying to get a comment from this congressional candidate. Now here's the if you read the headlines, the headlines are Montana GOP candidate cited after a reporter alleged he was body slammed. All right, what what the candidate says happened, this is their statement. They say, okay, this evening. The the congressional candidate, Greg um, Gianforte, was giving an interview in a private office. The Guardian's Ben Jacobs enters the private office without permission, aggressively shoves a recorder in Greg, that's the candidate's face, and begins asking badgering questions. The reporter was asked to leave. He refuses to do so. After asking the reporter to lower the recorder, the recorder declined, the reporter uh, declined. So, you know, I-, I want your comment. He's sticking his, um, his recorder in the guy's face. This is their story. Greg then attempted to grab the phone that was pushed in his face. The reporter grabbed Greg's wrist wrist, and spun away from Greg, pushing them both to the ground. It's unfortunate that this aggressive behavior from a liberal journalist created the scene at our campaign volunteer you know, barbecue. Um, the candidate apparently is screaming at the guy, I'm sick and tired of you guys. The last time you were here, you did the same thing. The other guy is saying, you just body slammed me and broke my my glasses. So there's no question that there is a physical confrontation here. Um, There's no question that they are rolling around on the ground. The congressional candidate has been cited with a a misdemeanor uh, assault in connection with, with this. Now, I'm not sure that this is going to have any outcome on the election. In Montana, 60% of the electorate, it's early voting. And so those votes are already in. The election is today. Three newspapers outraged by this that have supported the GOP candidate have now backed away. Our number is 414 799 1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. Now, I want to be really clear here. Right, There is never. There is never an excuse or a justification for a candidate getting physical with anybody, whether it's a, unless it's a self-defense thing. And I don't care whether it's a supporter of another candidate or whether it's some like crazy stalker or whether it's an overly aggressive reporter. The congressional candidate in this case did not do the right thing. He should not have engaged physically. All right, that's out there. But let me say this, at the same time, I think one of the things that you are seeing is a lot of these so-called journalists who don't believe the typical standards of decorum have to apply. I mean, imagine if this was you. You're in a private office. You're giving an interview or you're in a meeting somebody comes into that private... It's not like this is a news conference. Somebody storms into this private office, refuses to leave, sticks, in this case, you know, some tape recorder or whatever, in your face and starts badgering you. Now, did he have... Was he right to engage... Was he right to, like, grab the guy and get physical? No, he he wasn't. And so I'm not questioning that he deserves to get this misdemeanor citation for whatever. But at the same time, Can you understand the frustration? And is this now the new standard that no rules apply to the so-called journalists? That cover the campaigns. You know, we've already seen locally, for example, that in the name of journalism, you can essentially, if you're a reporter, you can essentially be a fence, take stolen goods, stuff that's stolen from you know somebody, and then report on that, make money off that. But okay, are there standards, and does it take two to tango? I'm not accepting. I'm not going to justify what this particular guy did, but at the same time, at the same time. Doesn't there need to be at least some accountability on the part of of the journalist? Or is it anything goes? If you can get the story, is it anything goes? And, again, I think the guy was was over the top. He, he, there's never an excuse to get physical, and you have to understand that if somebody sticks, you know, th- you're going to be stalked and things like that. Okay, 414-799-1620, that's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. He deserves to be cited Um, I don't know that this is going to change the outcome of the election, but is it fair game on politicians? Are there any standards out there anymore? We discuss next. If you're on the line, please hold on. 946 Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. It's 949 Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. WTMJ's Classic Free Ride makes a pit stop in Wauwatosa today. Join John McCure in Wisconsin's Afternoon News as they broadcast live from 3 to 6 at Pools True Value on North 68th Street. Registered to win an incredible 1968 Valenti Oldsmobile 442 convertible and tickets to see Luke Bryan at Summerfest. That's today from 3 to 6 at Pools True Value on North 68th Street in Wauwatosa. It's WTMJ's Classic Free Ride, sponsored by New Mail Medical in Tosa and Summerfest. Brian and McGuanago. Brian, good morning. Hi,
2: Hi, right. You know, they have like a castle law. If somebody breaks into your house, you have the right to shoot them. And as far as this guy barging into the office there in a private meeting, you should be able to punch him in the nose.
0: Well, I mean, I guess I think, I mean, no. You said self defense.
2: That's pretty much self defense if this guy breaks in your office start shoving stuff into your face. Well, right. It's,
0: it's, I mean, but it's, I mean, okay, but it's, you're only, in self-defense, you're only allowed to use a reasonable force to defend yourself. I mean, I don't really think it's a self-defense thing, but the larger point here is that there, it is now, especially when you're dealing with, well, what one of our texters is describing as Trump derangement syndrome, It's it's now all bets, I mean, it's all bets are off. This idea that here I can go into private meetings I can go into I can go into rooms I can go anywhere I want and I'm going to stick some microphone in somebody's face and I'm going to badger then I'm going to demand it should he have grabbed the reporter no I mean that's where and maybe the answer is that now you have to have security people who block these types of things off but one of the things I think that you are seeing is you have more and more of these so-called journalists for whom okay they they're the advocacy journalists they think that the rules don't apply to them. They think they're serving some greater good. Here, I've got this CBO study that's out that says that 23 million people are going to be uninsured under the Affordable Care Act. How do you feel about that? Blah-de-blah, blah, blah blah And, you know, I'm going to go get this comment, and I'm going to go anywhere. I mean, really, you, you walk into a room where there's a private meeting, and you stick something in somebody's face, and you start asking them questions. I mean, there is a time and a place for everything. And now, I think one of the things that, I guess, is a bit concerning to me. And I, I keep saying this. I, I don't think the candidate was right in in getting physical. I mean, they're just I don't think it was justified. I don't think he should have done that. But this is... This is the new standards that are out there where you have the advocacy journalists who believe that the rules don't apply. And I think, unfortunately, you're going to see more and more of this. We've already started seeing it. People are going to, I think, in some cases, perhaps try to precipitate uh, confrontations. I mean, clearly, this particular candidate snapped and, and he should have walked away, should have exercised better judgment, should have called campaign aides, should have said, hey, you know, I'm, I'm busy now get out of my face, should not have gotten physical. And he, he's wrong to do that. Will this cost him the election? That, to me, is going to be the fascinating thing. I don't know enough about the Montana a congressional electorate. And I guess there is just one congressman from Montana. So I, I don't know enough about the dynamics to be able to offer an informed opinion. Sixty percent of the votes were cast early, so people have already decided – if I if I had to guess, and it's just a guess, it's not a prediction, if I had to guess, I think the guy probably does get elected tonight, because a lot of the votes have cast been cast, and there's probably a lot of people who are going to conclude that, well, even if he did something wrong, which I think he clearly did, um, still, he's the better choice of candidate. So it's going to be interesting to see. It certainly changed the dynamic here, but you're going to see, this is my prediction, more and more stories like this as the... As journalists, and I again use that phrase in quotation marks, feel more and more emboldened and feel that the rules that typically used to apply don't apply if they're in search of a, a story. And, So just just saying. But that's that's kind of my take on this. Uh, The guy, I mean, he did deserve the citation. You can't throw somebody down. And there's some allegations that he punched at him and all. Sure, he was frustrated at the reporter and were frustrated at the lack of decorum. But that's what goes on in the mainstream media nowadays. And unfortunately, sometimes they bait people to get a reaction. And in this case, the congressional candidate certainly reacted. It's 954. This is Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. It's 957, Jeff Wagner. So glad to have you with us. The uh, Yeah, the text line just exploding. Um, one of our texters says, This whole thing with the reporter reminds me of the Act 10 demonstration when the lefties get in your face and act like maniacs. Well... Again, there is this sort of double standard that's out there. Tom and West Bend writes, "Why is there a difference if security is called to remove someone that is uninvited and non-compliant than handling it yourself?" Just saying, it's ridiculous that these journalists think they can trespass, interrupt meetings, name-call, and not follow rules. No respect anymore. And and I, here here's the cautionary tale. I think as Trump derangement syndrome gets worse and worse. I think you are going to see more and more of these aggressive type of tactics. So, to, to candidates, to office holders, you, you need to be warned, and you need to like kind of plan ahead on this because you, you're, this is now the, the new normal. We're going to follow people. We're going to do this advocacy journalism. You know, we're going to be in your face, and if people you know don't respond like we think they should. It's going to be a story or if people sort of respond and kind of fight back, that's really going to be a story. And again, I'm not endorsing getting physical, but there's more to this story. It's starting with, all right, if you're a reporter, you know, you don't just bust into a room where you're not invited and then refuse to leave. All right. Coming up in just a couple minutes. um, It is one aspect of the Trump budget that the liberals absolutely love and in the wake of this Manchester uh, terrorist action, what does it say for summer events in Milwaukee? We'll talk about that all in just a couple minutes. It's 950 HF Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. So glad to have you with us. One final thought on the uh, matter of fact, I, I like this line or a text line. Diana from Sturdivant commenting on the Montana congressional candidate who got physical with the reporter from The Guardian. And he shouldn't have done that. I mean, he, he shouldn't have, but. I think now you see more of these quote-unquote journalists or these advocacy journalists, and, and they're into provoking conservative candidates. That's what they're trying to do. They're going into rooms where they're not supposed to. They're being confrontational. They're sticking microphones at people's faces. They're refusing to back off, and, and, and then they're, they're getting these reactions, and it doesn't justify the reaction. But Diane Sturdivant makes a very good point. She says, quote-unquote, journalists are becoming more and more like paparazzi these days. Yeah, I think that's that's kind of I think where where it is nowadays and if it's a Republican politician or a conservative it's pretty much fair game. All right. We talked about this a week or two ago and the the idea is still is still around. 58% of the companies um with 50 or more employees. Offer some form of paid family leave, and, and I'm talking about maternity or paternity leave. Fifty-eight percent of private companies that are over fifty people are offer some form of that. That means forty-two percent do not, and for many small companies, they do not either. Paid, and I, I just it, this is just it's never. it's somebody who does not have children and does not plan to have children, I, I've never I've. I, I just don't even know what our policy is with regard to paternity and maternity leave at this company. I I I just don't know. It's it's never been a rele- relevant thing for me since I I don't have kids. But I mean, I appreciate that it would be a nice thing, you know, the the idea if you have a kid, you want to be able to take off. But at the same time, there is no free lunch, a- and this is something that has to be paid for. Now, I bring this up because tucked into the Donald Trump budget plan. Is a proposal that would require all employers, all employers of fifty or more, to offer paid paternity or maternity leave to their employees, um, up to six weeks of paid maternity or paternity leave, and the way this would this would cost. Billions and billions of dollars. I mean, the estimates are like $19 billion um, over a, a few-year period of time. And the way it would be paid for is kind of like unemployment insurance now, where you have the workers, but but primarily the, the businesses, the, the employers, you know, pay into a fund, and then the states would administer that, that fund. So that's where the money would come from. 414-799-1620. That is the acunate mortgage talk and text line i think you can make an argument and i understand why you know paid maternity or even paternity leave and the truth is you have to do both or else you're going to get a nasty sex discrimination lawsuit i mean i understand why that's it that's a good benefit and i understand why if you are I don't know, I, either a new mom or a new dad, you'd like to be able to stay at home with your, your child for, for six weeks and not have to worry about the financial implications of, of that. I, I understand that, but it is is it a benefit or is it a right? And is this the latest entitlement program? Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. There is no such thing as a free lunch. So if the government says, all right, it's now going to be a matter of law that employers have to provide you with six weeks paid maternity or paternity leave, that's going to have to be paid for somehow. And you're going to have the cost, not only that paid leave, but then employers are going to have to deal with, I don't know, the aftermath of that. The other issue becomes... Well, all right, what if it's some companies, it's really not that big a deal? What if you only have a handful of people who might find yourself in that situation? And in order to offer that handful of people the paid maternity or paternity leave, that means there's other benefits that maybe you're going to have to cut back on. So let's tee this up. I get it's a nice thing, but you know what? I don't think it is the government's role to tell employers that they have to offer Paternity leave, paid paternity leave, or paid maternity leave. Right now, the law says that you can get up to 12 weeks of unpaid leave, so you can make that decision. Lots of employers offer paid family leave. I don't think the government should be telling people that they have to, employers that they have to offer this. It is a benefit. If you, if it's an important benefit to you and your employer doesn't offer it, well, all right. You've got a couple different options, including finding a different job with an employer that does, in fact, offer it. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. That's the Actonet Mortgage Talk and Text line. I-, I think this proposal, while it has some superficial appeal, I just think it's a gross overstepping of government's bounds. I don't think this is something that should be mandated. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty is the number. And yet, that's what President Trump wants to do. We discuss next. If you're on the line, please hold on. It's ten fifteen. Jeff Wagner, six twenty. WTMJ. Ten seventeen. Jeff Wagner, six twenty. WTMJ. Today's your chance to take that workplace annoyance or traffic pet peeve and put it on the books. Scafidi and Bilstedt take your calls during their ought to be a law. That's two oh seven this afternoon. Uh, yeah, part of the Donald Trump budget would require. Require companies to offer paid family leave, paternity or maternity leave, and you you can't just do maternity leave, or else you're going to get um, you're, you're going to you know buy a a pretty big uh, sex discrimination suit. Six weeks of paid leave. I think. Look, if a company wants to offer it, I think it's a great idea. But the truth of the matter is, I don't think government should be requiring it. And it's got to come from somewhere. On our text line, we have one texter. Jeff, at my company, we get two weeks paid maternity leave. Nobody complains because one benefit that we see at our company is completely free health care. No monthly premiums, just very low out-of-pocket rates and great benefits. Yes, yeah, see, that's, that's the thing. At, at, this has to come from somewhere. And if you put in this mandate saying, all right, paternity leave, maternity leave, paid – all right, what, the, what are the employers going to do? Well, they're probably going to be cutting back on other benefits that might benefit a lot more of the employees. 414 799 1620. Let's talk to, uh, let's see, we start with Rob and Glendale. Rob, you're on 620 BTMJ. Good morning. Yeah. Hi, Rob. I,
2: th- I, I think the uh, um, maternity leave should be a benefit as opposed to uh, uh, an entitlement. Or entitlement. Entitlement. And what about how would that affect those uh, employees in the companies where they can have their at home offices
0: well, I mean for people who telecommute, I think it would apply the same way i mean it regardless of where your offices are i mean if 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 you if you 're off the job if it 's on leave, just like if somebody you, you work at home you still take you take you know your vacation time you 're not working so I think that would be the same way but i guess i I agree i just don 't I, I, I understand we have this entitlement culture. And, again, I'm not arguing against maternity or paternity leave. I think that's great. But I think that's a benefit that companies should be able to offer, not be mandated by the government to offer it. And that's what the distinction is. 414 Jerry and Butler. Jerry, you're in 620 WTMJ. Good morning.
2: Yeah. Uh, what happens if a person or a woman is pregnant and at the end of six weeks she quits? Boss is stuck
0: with it. Um, I don't think she's paid for nothing. Well, yeah. I mean, obviously, there's going to be uh, there's going to be a period of time. Yes, I mean, right. If she decides not to come back to work, yeah. I mean, there's going to be a period of time where you're going to have to work before you can qualify for that um, for the new employees. But yes, but but again, that's these are all different factors that that you know come into play in these different decisions that you make and, and deciding. And see, I, I think one of the things with benefits. And a, a lot of people in the private sector that deal with these things, what they'll do is they'll sit down and they'll say, okay, we're trying to figure out, we've got X amount of dollars that that we can put into paying for benefits. And and where do we get the most bang for our buck? What are the benefits that are most wanted by the most number of employees? And maybe at some places, maybe at some places it, it is Paid maternity and paternity leave. Maybe that's a a big deal. And so, you know, if that's something that the company needs to offer to attract and retain quality employees, well, well, then they do it. But my guess is that a lot of the companies right now that don't offer it The 42% that don't offer at least some form, I'm not talking about six weeks, but at least some form of paid maternity or paternity leave, I I think for a lot of those companies, it's probably because, number one, it's cost prohibitive to do it. Number two, because they have problems, it's cost prohibitive. And and number two, it's because it's not necessarily that big a deal among the majority of the employees. And if you took a vote at the majority of the employees and said, hey, would you rather have... I don't know if we've got this pool of money. Would you rather have you know an extra two days of you know vacation, or would you have rather that goes to everybody, or would you rather have this benefit? My guess is a lot of people are saying, "Hey, you know, we'd rather have the vacation." Uh, Louie in Peckwaukee, you're on six twenty WTMJ. Good morning.
2: Good morning, Jeff. Um, most companies offer paid time off.
0: Yep. Uh, PTO. Yep.
2: Yeah, PTO. Whether it be two weeks, four weeks, whatever. There's nothing that says if you want to have a baby, you can't take your pay time off. Then, right? You know, so why would the company have to pay for it? You know, you you've got 12 weeks family leave anyhow. It's not paid, but if you want to make it paid, you take your PTO then.
0: Yeah, and, right. You you right? You you and, yeah. And you, you use your vacation. Yeah.
2: I mean, if you're gonna have a, a a baby, it's not like it's a surprise.
0: Well. You know, yeah, I you mean, know
2: what's coming, yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. so why not plan for
0: it? Well, I- I- exactly. Now, now there are thanks for calling. Now, just so we're clear here, the way I understand it, there's lots of companies. There, there's still companies that don't offer like vacation plans, or they don't offer. You know, they don't allow people to accumulate vacation. So maybe you, you only get two weeks paid time off. So this would be. I believe it would be an addition to it. But regardless, it would be six weeks. Let's say you work at a company that everybody only gets two weeks of vacation a year and you can't carry it over. So this would be an addition and this would be a lot greater than that. And I look, I, I, I here's the thing everybody thinks that there's a free lunch and everybody says oh this would be nice well yeah I I get it 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 would be nice and I I certainly understand that if I was in a situation where I was married and we were about to have a kid I mean I I get that that would be something oh that that's great you know we can both stay home and we can take care of the the child and then you know we've got that six weeks that would be a wonderful sort of thing but somebody's got to pay for it the dough for that has to come from somewhere And I just don't think it's fair and right to create another entitlement program. And if we're going to create another entitlement program with benefits, I'd like to have a discussion about whether that's the benefit that the majority of employers, employees would like to see. Let's talk to Chris in Chicago. Chris, you're on 620 BTMJ. Good morning.
2: Hey, Jeff. How are you? Good Good. to talk to you as always. Thank you, sir. Um, I have just a theory on this. I think that, that essentially what's happening here is they're throwing a bone out to uh, to kind of alleviate a lot of the things in, in the new health care law that people don't like. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is a lot of companies, you know, like the previous callers said, a lot of companies offer these kinds of programs anyway. But because there's so many millennials out there that are starting to have children, and, and a lot of them are very vocal about their benefits, and a lot of companies are looking to hire millennials, like, very aggressively, where they're actually looking at a lot of their different entitlement programs,
3: mm-hmm.
2: that I think that probably they're already aware that this is happening in most companies right and they figure that it's not going to affect as many companies by changing this by making it a requirement for something that's already happening that's that's my right. theory i'm not sure if there's any fact behind that but well
0: no i mean I, I right you know i think there i mean obviously there there's there there is something there there is obviously i think something to that and it, it it's also i mean this is a politically popular thing i mean th- this idea cuz my guess is a lot of the people that work at companies that, and this is just my guess, that don't offer this benefit tend, t- tends to be perhaps some of the um, the, the lower paid type of positions, because, I mean, I, I think, like, for example, every place I've worked, I think there's been some form of maternity or paternity, certainly maternity leave. And nowadays, if you're going to do maternity leave, you've got to do paternity leave. So, I mean, I, I think this is, you know, something that's out there, you know, as in an effort to appeal to some millennials. But at the same time, to me, it's a benefit. It, it's it's like It's like anything else. You know, one of the great things about this country is that, you know, you don't you don't have to work at a particular job you know you you have the flexibility to find different things that you want to do and you know if some place isn't paying you enough money and you think you can make more money somewhere else that that's great you you go do it similarly if this is a benefit that is important to you and the place you're working doesn't offer it well okay maybe that's the clue to say okay i want to go try to find some other job where they're going to offer me six weeks paternity leave and and you know, if you've got the skill set and you've got the talent, you'll be able to find that job. But for the government to require employers to do this is going to cost billions and billions of dollars. And that's going to come out of the employer's pockets, and that means that they're going to either have to cut back somewhere else or they're going to have to, to the extent they can charge the rest of us more. No free lunch. It's ten twenty six. This is Jeff Wagner, six twenty WTMJ. <laughs> It's 1035 Jeff Wagner 620 WTMJ. WTMJ lets you experience Wisconsin's finest supper clubs at half price. This week, the WTMJ Supper Club featured restaurant is Caterina's Restaurante in Milwaukee. They do great Italian food. It has been family owned since 1982 and it features original Italian recipes. This Friday, that would be tomorrow at one o'clock, you can get a $50 certificate for only 25 bucks. These go quickly. We only have 100 available. Get yours tomorrow, starting at one o'clock. And what you do is you go to wtmj.com. You'll see the link. It's wtmjsupperclub.com, where you can get there right through our uh, right through our website. Um, all right, I the, the the dominant story, of course, this week has been the bombing at the pop concert in Manchester, England, earlier this week. Uh, 20, what, 22, 23 people, I guess, including the suicide bomber, dead, uh, dozens and dozens injured. This would be horrible under any circumstance, but what really, I think, has gotten a lot of people's attention is this is a situation where the, the suicide bomber, and apparently it ran in the family. He and his brother were um, had become radicalized. They they chose this target because, number one, they believed it would be a so-called soft target, but number two, they, they it was the nature of the people that were going to be there. I mean, they were targeting kids. The the attendees this isn't a, a black tie function, you know, featuring, you know, middle aged and senior citizens. This is this is a concert where a good portion of the attendees are gonna be teenagers and preteen, particularly girls. And and that this is this is what it was uh this is how it was chosen. Just as an aside, um apparently the Great Britain is so upset with leaks. They've been sharing intelligence information about this bombing with the U.S., and th- this is this is the problem nowadays. You know, you have so many people in the U.S. Um, who get this information and then for whatever reason decide to leak it to the press. Um, apparently, the leaks have been so bad that uh, the British have now said they're going to stop sharing case details with the U.S. because they are outraged at... They, they give sensitive intelligence information up and and it ends up it ends up in the press you know ten minutes later. And so they've just said, okay, we're we're gonna stop doing this the 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 leaks that go on nowadays, I think do pose you know huge threats to our security, but that's an aside. So in any event, a lot of people are thinking, all right, you've you've got the the outdoor summer season coming. The problem is that living in a free society, There's only so much we can do to prevent these sort of terrorist activities. And I I, I hate to use local examples, but, I mean, what what happened in in Manchester was the suicide bomber did not go into the venue. He, He didn't go through the security, which presumably would have caught the bomb. What he did is he waited immediately outside the venue. You know, here I'm, I'm here, I'm, you know, he was 23 years old, but here I'm, I'm milling around outside the venue. I'm waiting for my teenage daughter to come out, that stuff. And as the concert was ending, and as people were leaving, he sets off the bomb, you know, uh, kills himself and kills a whole bunch of other people, but he didn't go through the security. And there's only so far that you can ever move a security perimeter back. I mean, and again, I hate to use local examples, but all right, Summerfest. Sorry, Don Smiley, who I just think is great. But, I mean, this is just an example of the limitations you have. Summerfest has excellent security. In order to get onto the Summerfest grounds, you've got to go through the metal detectors. You have to stand in lines. But what about what about the parking lots? Well, okay, they, they don't have a security perimeter. There's nobody that's searching every car as somebody pulls into a parking lot. You can walk up to the Summerfest gates. To get on the grounds, yes, you have to go through the security. But what if... Again, you had some crazy suicide bomber that decided i 'm going to mill around you know on the public streets outside of the Summerfest grounds as people are going in or as people are coming out after a big concert at eleven thirty at night you know festival officials can 't control that they, they just can't you know Miller Park the, the same thing Miller Park has security to get into Miller Park you have to go through the metal detectors you have to pass the security but they, they don't Again, you you pull into the parking lot there's not there's not you don't go through a metal detector there. The perimeter is outside the stadium so again, theoretically, I mean opening day I mean opening day at any major league ballpark you know you've got long lines to get in thirty minutes before the game Lambeau field same thing you know somebody could. Again, if they were so inclined, they could be in that area outside the perimeter. And the truth is, you can only, you you know, at some point in time, you're always going to have a perimeter. You, and I don't fault the officials for this. It is It is one of the issues that we deal with in a free society. This also is every parent's nightmare, though. You send your kids to a concert. You send your kids to a ball game. You send your kids to wherever. And then you get this phone call saying that this awful thing had happened. And... The reality is I'm looking at a story in the New York Times from yesterday that despite security, you know, these outdoor events, concerts and I would apply ball games and things like that, provide target rich environments because th- there's only there's only so much that you are going to be able to do. And I know in the aftermath of this horrible terrorist attack, this is the type of thing that's on, you know, on everybody's mind. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. How concerned are you about this? And is concern that something like this could happen here or anywhere? Does that or will that make you rethink some of your plans? 414-799-1620, 414-799-1620, that is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Um, do we just ignore what happened and said it happens everywhere? Do we say, okay, I, I'm not going to go out at all because these things could happen? How concerned are you that something like this could happen here, and might it cause you to change your plans? 414-799-1620, that is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I will tell you how I'm processing this, and we'll discuss coming up next. If you're on the line, please hold on. It's 1042, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. It's 1045, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ at 25 and 21. The Brewers are a first-place team. It's a great start. But are they even the most surprising team in baseball? Greg Matzik doesn't necessarily think so. He'll explain why this evening on Sports Central at 6.07. All right, all right is the latest terrorist attack where clearly the bad guys targeting children and doing it in a way that I think makes it almost impossible to prevent, is, is that going to change the way that you behave and it change your thinking? Uh, let's talk to Eric in Milwaukee. Eric, you're first. Good morning.
1: Hey, Jeff. I appreciate you taking my call. Yes, sir. Hey, um, I, I'm a cop, actually, in the city of Milwaukee. Um, I've worked Summerfest both in uniform and plain clothes. Um, first of all, I can tell your listeners that while this is in the forefront of everybody's mind now, planning and anticipating uh, events like that is something that's been going on for years. Sure. I mean, the scenarios and training's been done. I've trained out at Summerfest on the grounds in the off time, and um, this isn't something that uh, we haven't been uh, considering. Not that sure. we are expecting any attacks, but if... Um, if people want to come here and do harm, it won't be um, a something that we're, we're getting caught off guard
0: with. Right. Right.
1: Um, and I, I can say I've got kids, I'm planning on bringing my kids down there, you know, mm-hmm. am I concerned? Absolutely. But I think that's one of the things that we need to do as citizens is, you know, kind of do that gut check and say, you know, hey, my sacrifice for freedom here is not letting these guys win when they do something like this. I'm not going to change my yeah. behavior. I'm going to be aware of things. I'm going to watch, you know, right. the, if you see something, say something. But I'm going to go about my life the way I did before, and that means that, you know, if we do that, then it doesn't matter what they do.
0: Yes, yeah, see, I, I, agree gonna... I agree with you completely, Eric. You you can't, and, and this is obviously you want to be vigilant, you want to be paying attention, and we want to recognize that no matter you know no security plan is ultimately going to be be perfect but you know you, i could be driving down the street today and some drunk driver could blow through a red light in a stolen car and hit and kill me that 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 could happen but that doesn't mean i don't drive my car you just have to kind of say okay i'm going to live my life and i'm going to try to be as vigilant as i can but I, i'm not going to just sit in my basement and because i'm afraid that something bad might happen
1: it sounds cliche but i mean to change our behavior so drastically that we're going to sacrifice enjoying good experiences in the summer in Milwaukee at the lakefront right. is exactly what they want us to do and that's I mean basically
0: right. or, or and, and like, again and I don't mean to pick out summer or at, or at Miller Park or at Lambeau Field or you know wherever because absolutely. you know wherever large groups gather, in a free society, there's only so much planning and there's only so much that, you know, law enforcement and security can do because, like I was saying, you, there's, there's always going to be a perimeter somewhere. Hey, thanks for the call and thanks for the good stuff you do. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. I Again, it is kind of a cliche. You can't let the terrorists win. But, I, I mean, I've been thinking a lot about this. And... Again, I I think, as I was saying yesterday, I think there's more justification ever than ever for see something, say something. And if you see something that appears to be suspicious, even if it invites you being accused of profiling or something like that, I I say, you know, go ahead and and do that and let law enforcement try to figure it out and decide whether there's something that needs to be done. But you, you can't like, change your life. Um, I mean, I'm not going to not go to some concert, whether it's at Summerfest, or I'm not going to not go to State Fair or something because I'm afraid that there's some crazy person who might figure out a way to cause, you know, some sort of harm. I mean, I'm not going to live my life under a cloud of fear. Life's too darn short. Anne in Okachi. and you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning.
2: Hi. Hi. Um, I guess I'm along with Jeff in that we cannot change our lives or our routine because of the threat of terrorism. If you look at this statistically, as you said before, Jeff, that we're much more likely to get in a fatal car accident going to Lambeau Field or going to um, a Brewer game than being caught outside in a terrorist explosion.
0: Sure, and, and and the problem, Ann, you know, is if if you start to obsess over these type of things, and I'm not saying you know be irresponsible, but you you end up not going anywhere. I mean, it's are you not going to go into a shopping mall because I mean, heck, they've got a lot less perimeter security to shopping mall than they have at Summerfest, or are you not going to go into you're not going to go to Mayfair, you know, at Christmas time to do shopping? Well, of course not. We you know we have to. We have to live our lives and just have to recognize that, you know, bad stuff can occasionally happen. You want to be vigilant, but you can't change your behavior.
2: That's right. And I have educated friends that will not go to Paris because of the various things that have happened there.
0: Yeah.
2: And once again, going back to statistics, the chance are very little. Right. Yeah.
0: yeah. And, and that's it. Okay. Like, let's take the Paris example where you had like the nightclub shooting that you know that could have happened. It wasn't unique to Paris. That could have happened. You know anywhere in the world. Um, and mm-hmm. all you need is the motivated people. No, no, thanks, Nicole. That that would not. You know, okay. That that's like the idea of all right. Are you not going to go to London now? I mean, if you had a trip planned to go to London, are you not going to go because all right, you had the incident on the bridge, Westminster Bridge, a while back, and now you have this thing in, in Manchester. You are not going to go to. You are not going to go to England. Well, okay, no. If, you know, you, you go, you you be mindful. You recognize that we, you know, that there there are some inherent risks with living life. Now, I'm not encouraging people to be irresponsible. And candidly, there are some places in this world that I, I would not travel at this point in time. But that's not Paris, and it's not London, and it's certainly not State Fair, or not going down to Summerfest. If I want to go down to Summerfest, or to Miller Park, or to Lambeau Field, or whatever. Let's talk to Patrick in Bayview. Patrick, you're on six twenty WTMJ. Good morning.
2: Hey, I just wanted to thank you for talking about
3: it in this positive tone. I feel like the biggest fight we can do against these attacks is to continue living the way we're living and not let them change our life.
0: Yeah, I mean, right. And again, you don't want to be irresponsible, and you want to always kind of be vigilant. And if you see something that looks suspicious, you want to alert the security. But I mean, if I if I want to see a Tom Petty show, I'm not going to allow some fear that that gee something could happen to stop me from going to the Tom Petty show. That would be silly.
2: No, freedom is is our what they fight us against, and we have to continue living free and being the people that we are and enjoying all
0: the things we work for well right exactly otherwise i mean thanks to call otherwise what's you know what what ends up being the the point now i i do think that one of the lessons of these various attacks is that we need to be more patient with with security and i mean i i I always okay when, when i get on an airplane and look that that you know going through the TSA checks and every once in a while for whatever reason you know you get singled out for some of the extra searches I always try to take a deep breath and be patient I, I do and I think one of the things that we're going to all have to deal with is being a little bit more patient because my guess is that you know we're going to have to there's going to be some extra maybe there's going to be some extra time to get into some of these venues you know obviously as as the terrorists change their tactics our security people change out theirs and what that might mean is it might mean some extra delays it might mean some you know a little bit of added inconvenience for all of us And... I'm trying to say okay look I, I just I want to get to the airport I want to get on my plane and I want to get wherever I'm going or I want to get back home but maybe it means it's going to take us all an extra five or ten minutes and there's going to be a little bit more of an inconvenience and maybe it means that if you're you know coming into a, a venue whether it's Miller Park or Summerfest or Lambeau field or State Fair or whatever maybe it means you're going to spend a couple extra minutes in line because security is going to be a little bit more intense or maybe you're going to notice more of a police presence in in the parking lots or security presence in the parking lot well okay we, we have to just recognize that we, we have to be tolerant of that because we're, we're trying to find that balance let's talk to Jeff in Wauwatosa Jeff you're on 620 WTMJ good morning
1: hey Jeff I'm certainly going to be more on guard when I am leaving major events yeah but I am still planning on going to Summerfest twi- at least twice because um, I've seen the very heavy police presence that's on Water Street every, like, Friday and Saturday night when, I, when I've actually been been there. And um, I think that if that carried over to Summerfest, that that would be very powerful in, pre- in preventing anything that could happen when people are leaving.
0: Yeah, um, right. I, I think, yeah, thanks. I mean, I think you're going to and, – and my guess is that um, – my guess is whether it's State Fair or Summerfest or Miller Park, all the people that are responsible for security are – I, again, it's like our, our caller Eric was saying. You know, he's worked in security. I'm sure there's a lot of different contingency plans in place, and my guess is that um, there will be some attention paid to the, the so-called the, the perimeters and things like that. And, and it might be stuff that you never even see, because um, obviously, you know, you try to learn from these you know I- experiences, but. You know, you you have to be, you know, more patient. Okay, Mike in Sheboygan sends me a text. In 1999, my wife and I attended a NASCAR race in Charlotte. The whole weekend, the racetrack was under a bomb threat from a family member who lost a loved one when an Indy car crashed and pieces went into the stands. Because of this, all fans throughout the weekend were checked much more closely, including body and bags entering the racetrack. We were nervous, but we never felt we weren't going to attend. That's the right attitude. It is 10.56, uh, coming up in the next hour of the program, new numbers for President Trump. a Milwaukee toddler accidentally shoots himself. Dad is held accountable uh, and pop culture corner. That's all coming up. It's 1056. this is Jeff Wagner. It's 11-09. This is Jeff Wagner, so very glad to have you with us. All right. Let me give you a quick programming note. Uh, we are coming into Memorial Day weekend, and it has been a tradition uh, during this time slot. Uh, Charlie did it every year. And there's a lot of stuff that, you know, um, obviously when I took over for Charlie after, you know, all the years that was he was here, we you know, th- there were some features that were regular parts of his show that we – kind of did away with, and there were some features that were regular parts of my show that I brought with me. The one thing that we did commonly was the Right Stuff Awards, and I have continued that. We continue in a sort of different fashion, but we give out Right Stuff Awards at the end of our week in review every Friday. But one of the things that I know has been a fixture on WTMJ that many, 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 many of you um, have come to, I I guess, I'm not sure if enjoy is exactly the right word, but uh, certainly appreciate, has been a special segment Every memorial, uh, the day leading into Memorial Day, where we give you an opportunity to remember and recognize, recognize loved ones, family members, friends who um, served in the military and in many cases made the ultimate sacrifice. And we are going to continue that. Uh, 10 o'clock tomorrow, during the 10 o'clock hour, we are going to set aside um, a good deal of time, maybe the entire hour, don't know for sure yet, um, to give you, again, we're going to open up the phone lines. And as we have done here at WTMJ for years and years, we are going to continue that tradition in the 10 o'clock hour tomorrow. are going to open up the phone lines in recognition of Memorial Day and give you the opportunity to recognize, uh, again, loved ones, friends who served in the military. So that will... I've been getting a number of questions. Are you going to continue that? Um, Absolutely. And that is 10 o'clock tomorrow uh, before we do our weekend review and before we do other things as well. Coming up in about 20 minutes, it's been missing for the last two weeks because we were either, I think, preempted on one Thursday by an early Brewers game, and we had Governor Walker on, um, yes, last Thursday. Uh, Pop Culture Corner makes a return and it is particularly timely given the fact that we're getting ready to start summer some big summer movies are debuting Um, i'll tell you all about that in a couple of minutes there was a headline story yesterday in usa today and it, it featured a woman who had just been thrown in jail because she she had a gun a handgun at her house And she had allowed her, I believe it was daughter, to get access to the gun, and the daughter had shot herself. And I I don't remember from the story whether the daughter had killed herself or just injured herself. But you know, it was it was clearly a a tragedy, and it wasn't a situation where the woman, you know, got drunk or anything like that. She just left the handgun in an accessible place. And the tone of the story was sort of like, oh my gosh, we're victimizing. Imagine how horrible this woman feels. Um, you know, she left a gun in a position that was accessible to a child. The child has injured and or killed herself. And now we're going to prosecute the, the mother. And that was kind of the tone that it took. And it's all part of this, this ongoing storyline that the Gannett newspapers are doing, talking about, like, accidental shootings. Well, you know, you had a situation like that in Milwaukee just um, a couple days ago, 930 at night on Tuesday, 3400 block of North 36th street um what happened is apparently a two-year-old boy found his father's handgun don't know where the gun was in the house yet but a two-year-old boy found his father's handgun and accidentally shot himself the toddler is expected to survive um he has the dad though has been arrested by the police, after the police say he left the gun in an accessible location in the house. So again, the prosecutors are looking at this to determine whether or not they're going to issue charges. Uh, but I think, and I so I don't know where in the house the gun was, but I do know that the gun number one must have been loaded because I doubt the two-year-old was going to be able to you know load the gun and fire it. So the gun must have been loaded. Number one, the gun must have been. Um, kept without a trigger lock or something like that. Uh, and number three, the gun was, of course, accessible to the child, and obviously somebody wasn't watching the child because the child got access to the gun. You know, that's the, the superfecta of bad things that are out there. But the DA's office is now going to be looking at this to determine whether or not charges should be issued. Four one four seven nine is the accident mortgage talk and text line. Right now, the argument that gets made in these cases is that this is not something, as a general rule, that the parents intend. This is an accident in terms of it is not something, a planned kind of event. Uh, nobody anticipates that the kid is going to find the gun and do this. But the firearms are left in accessible fashion. The argument would be, look, assuming mom and dad, mom and or dad, aren't aren't bad guys, you know, that this is just a mistake, they are going to have to live for the rest of their life with the knowledge that they left a firearm in a position where their child, their two-year-old, their three-year-old, their five-year-old, whatever it is, could get access to the gun and then could shoot themselves or shoot a friend. Now, in this particular case, the toddler is going to survive. 414-799-1620, four one four seven nine nine one six twenty that is the Accunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. What should prosecutors do with a case like this? Again, let us assume for the sake of argument, because this is what happens most of the time, that it's that it is is negligence. You know, the gun is left under a bed, the gun is left unattended in a drawer, the gun is left on a counter. The kids see it, the kids get access to it. Now, what should happen to the parents if children get access to guns and bad things happen? Is this a matter where prosecution criminally of mom and dad is or dad is warranted? Or is this just an unfortunate mistake? Um, you don't gain anything by charging mom or dad with a crime. The argument would be there's real criminals out there. How should authorities handle these situations where children get access to guns because mom and dad haven't locked them up properly should that be a criminal prosecution and should mom and dad go to jail and or prison 4147991620 i will tell you where i come down on this and what i think should happen but i'm curious as to what you think as well we discuss next it's 1116 jeff wagner 620 wtmj uh-huh. 1119 Jeff Wagner 620 WTMJ WTMJ's classic free ride makes a pit stop in Wauwatosa today join John Mercure just talking to him this morning and Wisconsin's afternoon news as they broadcast live from three to six at Pools True Value on North 68th Street Register to win the incredible 1968 Valenti Oldsmobile 442 Convertible and tickets to see Luke Bryan at Summerfest. That is today from 3 to 6, Pools True Value, North 68th Street in Wauwatosa. It's WTMJ's classic free ride sponsored by New Mail Medical in Tosa and Summerfest. That location is legendary, legendary in WTMJ free ride lore. So uh, going out there, ask John about that. Do you know what that story is, Hondo? Okay, that's that location is where one of our former it was years ago. I was there. I was hosting the the event and one of our former salespeople love you, Errol, um, had driven the the free ride car that we were giving away, and it was a Chevy something or other. And he 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 smacked it into one of the poles there. And it's we we've never to this day we've obviously never let him live that particular one down. Even though he retired a number of years ago, it's that's legendary. Pool's true value, sixty eighth Street in Wauwatosa. The car that we give away now, um, well, it 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 gets towed. You know, I guarantee you it would not be wrapped around that pole. But that's a legendary location, so check that out. And a quick programming note: a number of people have been asking about this. Uh, The ten o'clock hour tomorrow, in advance of Memorial Day, will we will set it aside. Um, for your phone calls, for people you want to remember who made the ultimate sacrifice. In addition to that, right before that segment, uh, 945, we um, are tentatively scheduled to be joined by Scott Walker, the governor of the state of Wisconsin, and we're going to talk about um, what is going on with the budget and, whether or not there really are some rifts between the Republican legislators and Governor Walker. So um, he's scheduled to join us at 945. And then, of course, we're going to turn the 11 o'clock hour to the 10 o'clock hour over to Memorial Day references. Um, our text line is just exploding on this question. Um, another day, another accidental shooting of a child in in Milwaukee. Um, the latest story happened, what, um On Tuesday, 930 at night, apparently a toddler was able to get access to dad's gun. And we we don't know all the details yet, but obviously the gun was accessible to the kid. The gun was loaded. There weren't trigger locks, um, and there wasn't anybody supervising the child. So, again, the the super effect of bad judgment. And I guess the question becomes, you know, what, what do you do? What do you do with that? And, um, for example, I have one of our emails, Kathy says, I wouldn't feel right to put him in jail and break up a family, but there needs to be some kind of punishment, maybe some community service or something. Look, I, I guess, see, here, here's the deal. I, First of all, if you have a situation, let's talk about it big picture as opposed to concentrating on a particular case like i say the the facts of this case haven't been made public yet but but big picture if you are a firearms owner if you're a firearm owner you have a responsibility you have a responsibility to use that firearm in a responsible fashion and you have a responsibility to make sure that that firearm is in if you're going to own it you have a responsibility to make sure that it is not accessible to people who don't know how to use it. And I guess it's it's not just irresponsible to allow a gun to fall into the hands of, of a child, but it's I, I think it is and needs to be criminal. And so, yeah, when I hear these stories about toddlers that get access to guns and shoot them, you, you bet... The people that are responsible, whether it's mom or dad or mom and dad or aunt or uncle or grandpa or whatever, the people who are responsible for making sure that those guns are not in the hands of minors, yes, they deserve to be prosecuted. Now, do you put them, do you put dad or mom in prison? Well, it depends on a lot of things, including what dad or mom's criminal record is, what the circumstances behind it was, but yes, you have to prosecute these cases, and if it means Breaking up a family, well, then sometimes you break up a, a family because you, you have to. Number one, punish people for irresponsible behavior, and number two, you, you have to, you know, send a message that whole deterrent idea that this isn't going to be tolerated. I, it, one of our, our people on our text line makes a very good point, you know, that um, one of the reasons I think in Milwaukee that we have so many of the calls quote unquote co sleeping deaths is because, as a general rule, we don't hold people accountable well enough for these situations, which is why I think, you know, in some respects you could argue that Milwaukee has become like the the co-sleeping death capital of the United States. Yet I think what we need to do is you need to hold people responsible. If nothing else, you, you send... This message, and I hate that term because it's a cliche, but you send a message saying, look, if you're going to be a firearms owner, you know, there's it's, it's not just enough for you to be you know, responsible. But if you're going to have it around the house, you've got to keep it out of the reach of kids and you've got to have trigger locks and you have to have it locked up. That to me is just common sense. Pete in Germantown. Pete, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning.
2: Hey, great, great topic, and Thanks. I got to tell you, I really enjoy your show. Thank Not you a very radio much, radio listener, guys. But you do a great job, and the topics are awesome. Thank you, sir. You I know, appreciate that. Yeah, you know, I think about these things. Just, just give this some thought. What do you think if we would take that accountability and responsibility to all these parents? You know, think about all many cars that are stolen. Just think if we went back to those ways where you were holding these parents accountable and mm-hmm. responsible for juveniles.
0: Yep. You yep.
2: know, and if we took that approach more like they did I'm 50 years old when I was growing up in the 70s and 80s you were held accountable and responsible for everything you did Mm -hmm. I mean my parents were so I like that approach it sends a and again I know it's not it's a cliche to say it sends a message but you know what you got to get somebody to wake up here and and if that's what it takes to let these parents know if you're going to have a firearm that is a very very big responsibility, and you have to take responsibility
0: for. Yeah, to me, Pete, it's no different than let, let's say. I mean, okay, I understand that a firearm is is legal as opposed to like heroin, which isn't. But to me, it's it's not much different. If you had a if you had a parent that left a bag of crack cocaine, um, you know, or, or powdered cocaine or heroin, you know, out on the kitchen table, and the two year old was able to get into it, would anybody seriously argue that mom or dad or whoever was responsible for that should not be prosecuted? criminally? I don't Absolutely. think so. And and to me now thanks for the call and thanks for the kind words. To me this is the, the same sort of situation. Okay, let me take a quick break. When we come back, couple thoughts about Sheriff David Clark and then Pop Culture Corner. Stick around. It's eleven twenty six. Eleven twenty nine, Jack Wagner, six twenty WTMJ. So Hondo is producing the show today and always. What do you think the odds are that David Clark actually ends up getting this Homeland Security gig? Better or worse than fifty-fifty? And you say lower than fifty-fifty? Yeah, th- this is. I, I have th- this is a textbook example of, of how not to change jobs. Um, of course, last week David Clark I, and I, I, I like I like the sheriff. I acknowledge. I, I think I, I view there's kind of like two tenures. I, the, Clark's first ten, eleven, twelve years is the sheriff. I, I thought were just great. I thought he said things that needed to be said. The last couple years, I, I think he's kind of gone, sort of off the deep end in a way. And um, I, I think he's bored. I think he's tired of battling with the county board and the county executive. I get all that. I think it's time for a change. All right, th- this whole Clark story though is fascinating because he goes in on a radio station last week and announces that that he's. I'm going to be leaving to take this job with Homeland Security. Uh, it doesn't require Senate approval. Well, that's not how these things get announced. The rules are it is the president or the secretary of Homeland Security that make these announcements. So um, Clark's thing is premature. I am told a lot of people in Washington were not happy with this. But by making this premature announcement... All the long knives have come out. There's been stories in the New York Times and the Washington Post about what a lightning rod the sheriff is. The one woman who used to hold this job says he's completely unqualified. And now, of course, you've got both local and national media that are digging in and they're raising things. This plagiarism story that I think is complete BS. But still, it's a story that's out there. There's reports, the local TV station, Fox Six, Wing thing about he's an absentee sheriff. The Journal Sentinel is is all over again this airport incident. You know, it's one thing after another, and Governor Walker says, hey, he hasn't gotten a letter of resignation from the sheriff yet, and I think the, the object lesson of all this is, and, and maybe this is something that we can all take into account, if you're going to change jobs, especially if you are in sort of a controversial position, first of all, you wait till the boss has announced it. And then you just leave, (laughs) you know, because if Sheriff Clark had just if on a Friday, Homeland Security denounced it and he was going to start the next job, the job on Monday, this whole issue would have gone away. But it was the way he did this that gave time for the long knives to come out. I don't know where this stands, but I'm I'm with you. I think it. I think it's probably 50-50 whether or not this job actually does materialize or whether the Trump administration just decides rightly or wrongly that the sheriff Clark is too much of a, of a hot potato right now with all the other stuff going on. And I understand Donald Trump appreciates loyalty, but is he too much of a hot potato to take, take on yet another issue at this point in time? 1137, Jeff Wagner, 620, WTMJ. Okay, we're not doing Pop Culture Corner or Facebook Live this week. We typically do that, but all the folks are off in some meeting somewhere. So that's okay. That's what we have the radio for. This is the segment of the program. Um, we do this this time almost every week. We put away the heavy lifting and stop talking about leaks coming out of Washington, D.C. and terrorist attacks. Try to have a little bit of fun at the end of the show on a Thursday. I call it Pop Culture Corner. Sometimes we talk about books, sometimes television, sometimes food, sometimes cars, sometimes sports, um, sometimes movies. And if you are a regular listener, you know I'm a movie aficionado. And this week, uh, we go back to movies for Pop Culture Corner. Now, Memorial Day weekend is coming up. Matter of fact, sometime this weekend. Don't know how I'm going to work it out, but listening to the weather forecast, I have an idea and a sense that some of these outdoor activities that I have either planned or have been planned for me aren't going to necessarily occur. So um, I'm thinking there might be an opportunity to, to go see a movie. And if I go see a movie this weekend, that movie is going to be the new Johnny Depp Pirates of the Caribbean movie. Um Hondo just snarled at me. Oh yeah, but okay, I I'm sorry. I like the Pirates. I now I understand they've gotten progressively worse, but still I like the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. But it it's the big. It's one of Disney's big summertime movies that, that, is, that is coming out. And I think uh, tomorrow is when it's, I believe tomorrow is when the premiere is. The reviews have not necessarily been great. They say they think it's going to do huge box office the first week and then kind of fizzle because they don't think people are going to go back and see it again. But I, I, I don't know. But it's the big summertime movie. I It used to be that summertime was the time when the, the, the thinking was nobody goes to see movies. That that's used to be back in the day. It's when like the the low rent kind of drive-in sort of movies. Those would be get those would get dumped. That got changed in the seventies with Jaws. Jaws, they debuted Jaws in the summer and it was this huge, huge hit. And ever since then, the studios have always concentrated on trying to come up with big summertime movies because they recognized that, you know, there was an interest for that. I remember seeing Jaws. I was in I was dating this woman, dating this woman and when that shark came out, I understand it looks cheesy now, but I'm telling you whenever that movie came out, when that shark came out of the water, that gal grabbed my arm. I still, I think, have the marks in my arm from where she grabbed me. It. It was a great date movie. I'm just telling you. Because... It was like, oh, that, that, that was great. Let them clutch you and hug you and stuff like that. It was just great. So, I mean, that was the first summertime movie. And after that, made all that money, the studios kind of changed, and they said, okay, we're going to try to come out with these big sort of popcorn type of movies, these summertime movies that we're going to show. And so that's why, you know, you have summer being when so many of the big superhero movies and things like that uh, debut. I want to have a little bit of fun. In honor of Pirates of the Caribbean opening up the fifth installment, which might be the last one, our number, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line, what is the best summer movie ever? 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line, the best summer movie ever. Maybe it's some big blockbuster that you remember seeing. Maybe it's some smaller movie that really captures the essence of of summer. But what's the best summertime movie ever? 414-799-1620. That is the AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Let me take a very quick break, as I always do in these segments. um, I encourage you to call quickly because our phone lines tend to jam up, and I promise I want to get to as many calls as possible. And secondly, and don't overthink this just you know go with your first instinct I throw the topic out sometimes people just say well I'd like this is the movie I'm thinking of but it would be dumb to say that nah there's well I won't say there's no dumb answers but there's probably not any dumb answers go with your first instinct we are back to discuss in just a couple of moments if you're on the line please hold on the best summertime movie ever it's 1141 this is Jeff Wagner 1145 Jeff Wagner 620 WTMJ best summertime movie ever it is summer start of the season, 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. WTMJ lets you experience Wisconsin's finest supper clubs at half price. This week, uh, our supper club featured restaurant is Catarina's Restaurante in Milwaukee. It's been family-owned since 1982 and features original Italian recipes. This Friday at 1 o'clock, you can get a $50 gift certificate for only 25 bucks These go quickly. We only have a 100 available. Get yours tomorrow starting at 1 o'clock by heading to WTMJ Supper Club club.com you can also get there through our main website. All right, 4147991620. Best summer movie ever. Let's start with Ethan in Appleton. Ethan, good morning.
3: Hi, Jeff. I just wanted to let you know that if there's one movie that makes me think of summer, it's got to be The Sandlot.
0: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I
3: mean, baseball. What's more summer than baseball?
0: Hanging
3: out in the clubhouse, cooking marshmallows
0: <laughs> over a candle. Come on, yeah, it, it's got and and you, you got kids. I mean, it's the whole, it's the whole thing. Yeah, no, it's that that's a tremendous sort of movie. No, thanks for the call, appreciate it. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Okay, let's see. Fast Times at Ridgemont High. That's kind of a classic one. Ferris Bueller's Day Off. That is a great summertime movie. Um, Aaron in New Berlin makes the same point that you just did. S'mores, sleepovers, carnivals, Americana, and of course, baseball. He's talking about the sand lot um, on our text line. Greece. Greece is the word. Yeah, Greece was a. Okay, the, it kind of looks dated by today's standards and. Um, John Travolta and Olivia Newton-John and all the other people, they were playing high school people, and they were all like 40 years old. So, I mean, you did have that suspension of disbelief, but still, um, that was good. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty is the number. Let's talk to Jack in Milwaukee. Jack, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning.
2: Hey, thanks for taking my call. Hi, Jack. My movie is in that same genre, though, but it's Bad News Bears.
0: The original one you're talking about with, like, Walter yeah, Matthau and Tatum I- O'Neill? Yeah.
2: Yeah, I'm also a fan of the remake. But being 13 years old, always playing baseball in the park and then going to see that movie, that was an ultimate summer movie.
0: It it and it it, it was and that's, you know, what's interesting to me about Bad News Bears is it's I watched actually I watched it about a month ago. It was on one of the cable channels or something and it it kind of stands the test of time. I mean, it's it's just yeah, it's as relevant and as good now as as it was back back in the day. Sure. Yep. No, I, no thanks. I, I I think Bad News Bears was outstanding. I, the and again the, the sequels. I did not see the remake, but I, I mean the sequels. Bad News Bears go to Japan or Bad News Bears go to the moon or whatever. Those those weren't that great. But um, but the original one with Walter Matthau and a young Tatum O'Neill, absolutely outstanding. Okay, on our text line, I love the movie Shag. Yet that's that's kind of a. Um, that's kind of a, a sort of a hidden gem, like one of these buried treasures. But um, you know, Shag it's set on the it's set on the beach. Yeah, that's tremendous. Okay, uh, let's see. My favorite uh, summertime film is Independence Day. Mm-hmm. All right, on our text line, Top Gun, especially the theme song makes you drive faster through traffic. They are they have a remake. Their remake not remake. They got a sequel, to Top Gun coming out with Tom Cruise. Um, don't know how many of the other actors are are going to be in it because that was that was a long time ago. But Tom Cruise, there they just announced the new Top Gun thing. Top Gun is is great. That's also another one of these great soundtrack of the summer movies. Let's talk to Dave and Racine. Dave, you're on six twenty WTMJ. Hello.
2: Greetings and salutations. Yes, sir. Well, uh, any uh, Star Wars episodes four through six are probably great summertime movies, but especially Empire Strikes Back. Great soundtrack. Uh, Mm-hmm. You know, you know, kind of fed story. You know, action. I mean, you know, just and you know, a lot of humor in that. You know, in that movie. So,
0: and it was kind of. Dark. I think that I think Empire Strikes Back was the best of those first three. I, I do
2: Ex- exactly. I mean, like I say, uh, how can you not? Uh, I mean, um, uh, the Imperial March uh, kicks butt as much as anything <laughs> by Wagner. <laughs>
0: Thanks, for I, I mean, it, it got. I mean. Yes, I, I, Empire Strikes Back. I think might you can maybe argue was one of the the best um, ever. All right, we have some great ones on the uh, text line four one four seven nine nine one six twenty is the uh, number in the Acunet Mortgage Talk and text line. Raiders of the Lost Ark. Um, you know, if you were to ask me, the classic summertime movie, the the thing that's got humor and action and adventure, and compelling characters, and a great story. I think I think Raiders of the Lost Ark, and people might disagree with me because there's other good ones that are out there, but but Raiders of the Lost Ark would certainly be in my top four or five. Um, the, the sequels, the second Raiders, I didn't like. The third one with Sean Connery, I thought was okay. Um, the fourth one, yuck. And I hear they're they're making a fifth one now. But that original Raiders of the Lost Ark was just absolutely, absolutely tremendous. Laurie in Spring Grove writes Jurassic Park. Yeah, I'm, I watched this Jurassic Park sequel on TV the other day, and that was good. Um, John in Yorkville writes John Candy's The Great Outdoors. How can you go wrong with anything with uh, anything with John Candy? Um, Okay, Debbie has a good one. American Graffiti. I I would also, along with Raiders of the Lost Ark, if I were to put in my top five, it would definitely be American Graffiti. That's set... You know, at the end of summer in some small California town, if you haven't seen American Graffiti in a long time, my advice would be go back and see it. Um, you'll see a young Ron Howard. You'll see a young Cindy Williams before Laverne and Shirley. Um, but but you'll also see a really great story and a great coming-of-age story. Richard Dreyfus and I think his first performance. Let's talk to Jim and Nina. Jim, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Jim jim yes sir hi you're okay best summertime movie
2: oh i'm sorry
3: back to the future oh fantastic movie from from uh 1985 i think yeah michael j fox it was back then
0: um did you like the sequels as well or was the first one the best
3: the first one that drops off pretty badly from there
0: yeah i um (laughs) thank i know thanks for the call i i um i agree i matter of fact Okay, th- this shows that perhaps even to this day I still have too much time on my hands. Um, I-, I read the Back, to the, the Back to the Future book because, uh, Hondo, you are a huge fan of Back to the Future, too. And you know, Michael J. Fox was not originally cast in that, that role. As a matter of fact, they shot a good portion of the movie with, um, oh gosh, the guy's name is escaping me right at the top, Eric Stoltz, right, Eric Stoltz. Um, who um, was, he was, he he played one of the stoners in Fast Time at Ridgemont High, and he he did a couple other things, but he he was originally cast in that Michael J. Fox role, and and they shot a good portion of the movie, and then they decided it just wasn't working, and they went back, and they spent a whole bunch of money, and they reshot these scenes with Michael J. Fox, and that's what really made um, the movie. Let's talk to Kevin in Sheboygan. Kevin, good morning. Good
3: morning, good morning okay um cannonball run
0: <laughs> with with burt reynolds right
3: dom deluise yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah from beginning to end it's a movie of one-liners <laughs> yeah that just what right. an amazing cast
0: right right no can't, can't and then of course again the original one was better than the sequels thanks to, but you can't yeah. mention cannonball run without mentioning another one of the movies that would be in my top 10 the ultimate summer movie Smokey and the Bandit. You know, Burt Reynolds, Sally Field, Jerry Reed, Jumpin' Stuff in that Trans Am. I mean, that's that was the quintessential summertime movie as well. Ben in Germantown. Ben, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning.
3: Hey, good morning. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. How about uh, 1960-something or another, The Graduate, doesn't it? Yeah,
0: 67 Hoffman, or 68, man. right. Um, yeah. Yeah, plastics, plastic. No, I, it, right. A little more serious, but I mean, thanks to call. Here's the other. Here's the inter- interesting piece of trivia about the graduate. Of course, that's where the the Dustin Hoffman character has an affair with the Ann Bancroft character, the Mrs. Robinson character. They were only in real life. They were only like two years apart. They were essentially the same age. And Anne Bancroft always used to talk about how sort of creepy that was that she was portrayed as the older woman. When you know, Dustin Hoffman, again, he's portrayed as this college graduate. And he's really like probably like 35 or something at the time. All right. Susie in Glendale. Susie, the last word is yours. Hello. Hi.
1: Hi,
2: Susie. my Susie. Cool. Silly, silly movie, but Meatball with Bill Murray. Bill Murray's silly. first movie.
0: So silly. So fun. I, I, Susie. I had to take your call because you and I might be the only two people around who remember Meatballs. <laughs> but, yes, we're the, he plays the camp counselor. So
2: silly. So it, fun, though.
0: What it, a fun movie. And in, in, Right. In and in a great summertime movie. That is the experience. They can be big movies. They can be little movies. But they're summertime movies. And I don't know about you, but I am ready for summer.